Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission. To help you focus on Christ. Well, guys, we're still here in the book of Mark. And, uh, you know, we talked about the rich young ruler last time uh, in chapter 10. Uh, Just real quick, um, because we've already talked about this a few episodes back when we linked these three times together that Jesus predicted his own death. And that's where the, the 10th chapter ends. Um, they're getting ready to go up to Jerusalem. And he says to them that the, they're going to sentence him to die, hand him over to the Romans, mock him, spit on him, flog him with a whip and kill him. But after three days, he will rise again. I don't think Jesus could spell it out any more clearly over and over what, again. what's going to happen to him. And it's, it's kind of like they just didn't even hear that part. It's like, it just goes right past them. Um, because then when it does happen, they're all in this blur of wonder, like, what what just happened? Did we know that was going to happen? Yeah. So, moving right on. Chapter 10 and verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. This is after, right after, he's told them he's going to be mocked and spit on and flogged and killed. And it's like, they just didn't hear it. <laughs> what is your request? He asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. <laughs> but Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Well, I think one of the things that I noticed, you know, as I was reading back through this, you know, because we were going to go through it. And I know that we talked about him foretelling the death for the third time. But uh, there's something interesting uh, that, that you have to see here that I saw last night that I went, oh, I didn't pull that out before. Uh, So I'm sorry I'm doing this, but in in verse 32, before, you know, the request of James and John, listen to what the Bible says about Jesus. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. Well, something is really going on now, don't you think? Yeah. Because he's like on a mission, I think. And he must have been walking quickly. Um, Somehow he got up ahead of them and they're all standing back and kind of watching his demeanor and watching his leadership. The disciples know him well enough that they're not afraid. They're amazed but the other people that are following him are going, man, that guy, he's on a mission. And uh, they were a little bit afraid. 
And uh, that's when blatantly J James and John start to ask this request, which is amazing, seeing as how Jesus has this serious demeanor about him on his way to Jerusalem to be, mm -hmm. to be killed. And uh, I think that if you're going to be a leader, you're going to lead out. Not, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And with responsibility, sometimes comes punishment or you, you fail. And sometimes you have to live up to take the responsibility for the failure, for the leadership. And so he's doing this. He's amazing them. The crowd is afraid. And they're asking if he can, they can be on the right and the left to be a leader with him. And he's saying, okay, you think you can drink the cup I'm going to drink? You think you can come up here? Come on up here with me. And let's see where, where you go and how far you get. Because they didn't, didn't get very far. They got to the garden and they all ran away in fear because it's about to get real. It's about to get real. Yeah. Right. And so I think the emotions here and, and all of these things that uh, Jesus is going to face and is in his heart and in his mind and his spirit facing right now as he goes through it. Uh, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult road that Jesus was walking to walk up Golgotha, up the hill to the cross and to die for mankind. And it was a very difficult thing because his prayer brought drops of blood. His death on the cross brought a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and a lot of being alone and being ridiculed. You're willing to face that? Because every time we've talked about following Jesus or the grace of God, there's always this little word that pops up. It's called suffering. Yeah. Because that, I think, sometimes comes along with the true giving of your full self to the grace of God and being changed. The, the thoughts kind of scold me a little bit here because I think about, you know, in our culture, uh, I see a lot of posts right now. And I mean, obviously, we've been seeing these posts for like 20 some years. People say, well, America needs to turn back to God. And um, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. But the part that's unspoken there is not really that we need to turn back to God for the sake of turning to God, but... Um, oh, I want America to be the comfortable yeah. place where I can live my comfortable, affluent, carefree, blessed, hashtag blessed life. I want to live my best life now. And, and you know, if you're wanting revival, um, revival is never going to come to this country because we put the right people in Washington or the right people in our state houses. Um, that's not what brings revival. You know what brings revival? Persecution. When, when Jesus wanted to spread his church, what did he do? He brought persecution onto the church in Jerusalem because they were all just huddled around, you know, living the American dream, living the Jerusalem dream. You know, we want our comfortable Christian life. 
That's not what he's called us to. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we've been living. But I tell you what, our, those days are numbered. They are numbered. And what's going to make the church grow? What's going to bring us back to God? Bringing us to our knees. That's what's going to do it. I, I, I don't want to, you know, sound negative. I'm not trying to be negative. But the reality of it is prosperity doesn't bring revival. Desperation does. Yeah, amen. And that that's what's going to ultimately happen. I mean, you look at, at the, the way the church is growing in the Middle East and in China and in these places where it's not even legal. You know, you can't witness to somebody in a, a, a country that's under Sharia law. It's considered blasphemy and you go to prison. Or worse, you get killed in prison or killed before you even get there. Those are the places where we're seeing the greatest revival. Why? Because who knows if your faith is real, if it's not being tested. If your faith is under the fire, everybody around you knows that it's real. Well, I think it's interesting that um, James and John, when they ask for this position of leadership and authority, what they get from the other disciples. Oh, yeah. Uh, they don't get, hey, yeah. That they, sounds they, great, they, guys. They're our buddies. Yeah, they won't be <laughs> next. Instead, uh, what they're getting is in, they were indignant at James and John. And, and Jesus tells them, hey, listen, guys, you got this all wrong. It's not leadership that I'm offering it's servanthood, mm-hmm. which is just the opposite. Because what he does is he says, uh, you know, those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. Uh, their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. So then James and John are going, oh, never mind. We don't want, <laughs> nah. we don't want the servant seat, right? We want yeah. the leader seat. Yeah. And what Jesus offers here is he offers that we are going to be servants and slaves of all. And he says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And then look at the last sentence in that passage. He says, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is um, very um, sobering. I think, to think about because I think all along, a lot of times in in American Christianity, we're thinking about our mansion over on the hillside. I've got a mansion. Yeah, we're thinking about all of the things that we get when we go in, you know, to the the gates of heaven. And what really is going to happen is we get to go in and we get to worship and serve God. So if you want to be comfortable in heaven, then get comfortable in the church, attending, worshiping, and serving when you get here. And then you'll be comfortable when you get to heaven, I think. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Jesus is moving on. He's getting ready for uh, his triumphal entry and... um, He's busy. He's on the move, right? And there are so many stories uh, in the New Testament where Jesus sees the person who's suffering, sees the person who's in need, 
um, and he goes to them and he addresses their need. But right now he's on a mission. And so he doesn't see the blind man beside the road. Um, and so Bartimaeus is calling out to him, Son of David, have mercy on us. He knows who he is. I mean, when he says son of David, he's calling him the king. He's calling him the anointed one, the Messiah. This is the one that God's promised one. And what do the disciples say? They still haven't got it. You know, they're missing this whole servant thing. They're walking past him because he's one of the least. Okay. And they're still on their mission to, you know, be great in the kingdom. And they're like, he doesn't have time for you. And the guy keeps calling out. And then Jesus well, let, let me in. ask you to contrast. What did James and John ask for? Yeah, it says seat of honor. What did Bartimaeus ask for? His sight. His sight. Yeah. The difference in the need. Right. You know, when you look at yourself, what is your need? And I will tell everyone that's listening to me, you cannot come to the grace and the love and the salvation and the forgiveness and all that God has to give you until first you see yourself the way you really are. When I see my sin, and then I see my need, and then I seek to believe in the one who can take my sin and meet my need, and that's Jesus. So maybe what you think you need, you don't need. Maybe what you need right. is what you think you don't need. I think we all need to see our where we're blind. I, I would agree. You know, because Jesus needs to heal us uh, of our blindness. Um, but I think part of the reason for this story being stuck in here right where it is, is because even when Jesus is at his heaviest moment, um, he, he knows what's coming. Um, he's told everybody what's coming. I think that's why the people who weren't the disciples, the ones who were following behind, were afraid. They believed his words. The disciples are still in la-la land trying to figure out who's going to sit on his right and his left. And uh, the folks that were afraid, maybe they got it. You know, maybe they understood and believed that what he said. I mean, after all, at this point, and, and it's not told here, but they've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. You know? So here he is getting ready. All right. Um Let's go ahead in Mark chapter 11. Um, As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany and the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks what you were doing, just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, What are you doing untying that colt? And they said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him. Others spread leafy branches they'd cut in the fields. And Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, They actually weren't saying praise God. Hosanna meant uh, save us. Um, So they're saying save us. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor Davis. Um, Praise God in the highest heaven. 
So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. Um, I'll tell you what, if you've not listened to um, our, our episode on uh, the triumphal entry before, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, I apologize for not knowing the number of the episode, but uh, I will put that in the, in the little notes, okay? Um, Jack, what do you got? Well, I just think that um, everybody gets on the bandwagon. Every, everybody likes the parade. And, um, you know, this multitude of people that's making their way through Bethany, Bethpage, back into the city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they see this thing happening and people are waving palm branches and, hey, it's cool. It's, a pra- it's almost like, you see something happening and you're, you have to go see whether it's a wreck in the middle of the road. People have to slow down and look to see what they can see or a parade or whatever. Uh, that's the kind of vacations I like to take. Mm-hmm. I like to take spontaneous vacations where if you come upon something that might be interesting, you stop and you take the time. And I think that's kind of what's, what's going on here. I don't know that all of these people per se, you know, we're worshiping Jesus for who he really was. Uh, later, I know there was a crowd of people and probably some of the same people that were crying, crucify him, crucify mm-hmm. him. So maybe they were just people that got caught up in the happenings of the crowd, what was going on in the day. But what I do know is Jesus was fulfilling scripture and he was showing the Pharisees and anyone who knew scripture and us today that this is genuinely the Son of God come down to give his life as a ransom for many. And he's doing it exactly the way it was prophesied hundreds of years before it happened. I just It just um, solidifies your faith in God and how this all played out. You know, uh, I know this is going to sound a little goofy, but one of the one of the things I hope to do in heaven is I want to talk to the guy who owned the donkey. <laughs> you know, um, because it's like it doesn't seem like it was just a normal thing that the donkey's tied out like in front of the house. You know, and probably owned by several people. Maybe. Well, yeah, maybe so. And it was a cult of a donkey because. Uh, and probably not necessarily even weaned because other texts tell us that when Jesus rode the, the, the colt, that the donkey was with him. So he's, he's got the donkey and the donkey's colt. And, and the imagery here is super important because uh, when he's riding in like that, it's a, it's a sign of humility and he's coming in peace. Um, and, you know, a king who had, had uh, returned from a victory uh, might ride in um, either on a war horse um, or he might ride in um, on a colt of a donkey, and this, the message that is sent when he rides in on the colt of a donkey is that he's bringing peace. Mm-hmm. But he has also showed his lordship. Yes. Because it says, tell them the Lord right. has need of it. And so it's almost like right. he's, he's um, directing you know exactly what's going to happen. He's coming in peace because mm-hmm. he's not going to lift his hand, call down multitudes of angels to destroy. He's coming in to surrender his life 
but never miss it. He is still every bit God. He is Lord. And that's what Pilate couldn't figure out. Right. <laughs> right. What is truth? Yeah. He tried to let him go four times because he just didn't see anything. Yeah. Well, we're, I tell you what, we're, we're getting to... Uh, the, 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 the big parts, you know, you know, um, because we're, the triumphal entry, um, you know the story, you know what's coming next. So, well, next, next time, guys, we will take off where Jesus is entering the temple and uh, go with what he's doing there. All right. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. We love you guys. Reach out to us. Uh, and we'll talk to you later.